Hello, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, Easter Sunday, whether you're watching us on YouTube or checking us out on Facebook or maybe off our Project Re3 website or one of our podcasts out there in podcast land. Thank you so much for taking the time today or whenever you're listening to it to uh, just to tune in. And we, we are really thankful for you and just hope that everything that we have, whether it's uh, the content from a message or from an interview or from a worship set, that, man, that God just speaks to you in some way, and um, we're just praying for that. Now, if you ask me, whether you're Muhammad Ali, and you're making the statement, I am the greatest after beating Sonny Liston, or you're Darth Vader, and you're making the statement, I am your father, whenever you hear an I am statement, people tend to take notice of that. So in the book of John, The author does his absolute best to paint this picture of who Jesus is. Let us know in very intimate detail that this is who Jesus is. This is what he is all about. And he does this through a series of statements. We call them the I am statements of Jesus. And there's no mystery here. And and it's very straightforward. and, And depending on the group that Jesus is speaking to at the time, it might make a little bit more sense. But to all of us, as we read the word, we can understand in context exactly where Jesus was coming from. Now, he made statements like, I am the way. Or, or maybe he even said, I am the resurrection. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the vine and I am the gate. And today, Easter Sunday, 2020, we're going to take a moment. We're going to look at one more of those I am statements. And that can be found in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 35. It says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. If you would, at home, in your car, wherever you're at, if you would, pray for me as I pray for you. Lord, we come before you right now. We thank you so much for this Easter. We thank you so much for all that you are doing for us, that you have done for us, and that you will do for us, Lord. We thank you so much that you are so clear in your description of who you are and what it means for our life and our relationship for you. Whether it's the way or the resurrection, light, divine gate, Lord, you are all of those things to all of us. And I pray this morning that as we dive in and we dig into what exactly it means when you're saying, I am the bread of life, that Lord, that we, man, we take hold of that bread. That is exactly what we need right now. And Lord, I pray that everything that is said, everything that is spoken this morning, brings glory and honor to your name and a smile to your face. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Now, one of, I guess, uh, a hobby that I have, I should say, um, with a few friends of mine, is, is whenever we see a, a church sign somewhere, you know these church signs, they have them out front, not the ones that, that have announcements, but the ones that have those little sayings, you know, uh, they might be puns or things like that. If we see one, we'll, we'll snap a picture and send it to one of us on our phone, and, and man, I, I just love a good church sign. Now, when I say good, 
I don't mean good as in I would ever put it on a church sign I would have. I mean good as in that is terrible. Like that kind of good. Like I want to like, and, and I will never forget I was sent this one church sign that was up on some church, who knows where, maybe in our area, somewhere else. And the church sign said this, if you don't know the bread of life, then you're going to be toast. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly what Jesus meant when he, had that, when, he, when he had that statement there in John. But that's what sometimes we kind of twist and turn and try to understand because we don't really truly understand the context at, at just grabbing that verse just out of thin air. So I'm going to kind of sum up chapter 6. Now, if, if you want, at some point, I want to encourage you to dive into John chapter 6. There's about 59 verses there that, that really go into great detail um, about what all is happening in Jesus' life and the context at which he makes this statement about being the bread of life. So Jesus, at this point, for lack of a better term, had become a rock star. He was a celebrity. He, I mean, he was out healing people, people who had been sick, people who had been blind, like people like, that since birth. And here Jesus is going around healing them and performing all of these miracles. If there's someone like that in your life, you're probably going to follow them. So Jesus had this following, and they are following around from village to village and town to town, and the crowds would get greater and greater the more that he was performing these miracles. So he finally got to this one spot, and he had thousands of people following him. And they sat down, him and the disciples, and, and I imagine they were just sitting up there on this hill, and I could just envision it, and he has all these followers out in the grassy area, and they're all kind of watching Jesus, waiting for the next miracle. And Jesus turns to one of the disciples, and he says, what do you think? You think we can feed these people? And one of the disciples said, are you crazy? Like it would take like a half year's salary to, to even give these people one bite of bread. And he's like, ah, well, maybe. Anybody else? I mean, anybody else think we can feed these folks? And another disciple spoke up and said, well, hey, there's this kid down there. He has a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. Maybe we could feed him that. And I'm sure this was spoken almost in sarcastic jest. And Jesus just goes, all right, challenge accepted. And he gets that bread and he gets those fish and he feeds thousands. And when he's done, you can, you can read on in, in John chapter 6. Um, there's a whole um, incident where the disciples go out in the boat at night and Jesus, there's a storm and Jesus is there and he's walking on the water and the disciples see this and, and um, there's just commotion and all of these things and then it becomes the next day and Jesus is sitting there on the shore now with the disciples and all of a sudden all these followers start showing up again and they're like Jesus you know where did you go where did you go we were looking for you and Jesus said the only reason you're looking for me is because I fed you and he goes in and starts describing this bread and he starts talking about this bread that they desire, this, this bread that they so want in their lives. And he says, look, you're wanting this bread that I fed you the other day, but I am the bread of life. I am the one. I am the true bread. Now this statement, I am the bread of life, is not something that was taken lightly. As a matter of fact, this statement was like a sonic boom on three different groups of people who were listening. And I think if we're really honest today, all of us fall into one of those three groups. 
Now, the first group that would have heard this statement and, and been really taken back, this is the group of people that were under outside control. These were the Jews. You see, the Jews were having to live over, under Roman control. And one of the ways that the Romans controlled the Jews was they controlled the bread. As long as the Romans controlled the bread and they controlled the caloric intake that the Jews could have every day, the Jews remained weak. And if the Jews remained weak, then there was no chance of the Jews rising above the Romans. So he was speaking to these Jews that, man, they just wanted some bread. They were so hungry. Like that is what they just wanted. And he gave them a taste of that. And they were coming back for more because who knows when the last time they had bread was. But man, they wanted it. So the Romans looked at this and saw bread as something that they could use to control the Jews by. The Jews saw the bread as something that controlled them. Now the Romans thought, if he can feed the Jews, he will make them stronger. And if he feeds them, he can lead them. And what the Jews thought was, if he leads us, he can set us free. Because what Jesus was saying to the people who were under outside control, what he was saying to them when he said, I am the bread of life, what he was saying is this, nothing, nothing that controls you is something I can't free you from. I want you to hear that again. When Jesus told the Jews, I am the bread of life, what he was telling them is there is nothing that controls you that is not something I cannot overcome and set you free from. Man. That bread of life, that bread of life means that we need to recognize that something controls us. The Jews had to recognize that they were under the control of the Romans because they lacked the physical bread. But today, what do you lack? What is that thing that controls you? What is that thing in your life that you're just like, man, I, I just, I could never be without this. Or man, if I could just get past this, my life would be so great. What is that thing? What is that addiction? What is that person? What is that thing that you keep coming back to? That thing that controls you. Because Jesus took a few loaves and fish and he set them free. And if he can do that to them, he has the exact same ability today to set you free from the thing that controls you. So the first group of people he was speaking to was the group that was under outside control. The second group of people that he was speaking to were those who had their earthly needs being met, but yet they still wanted more. Jesus addresses this in John chapter 6 later on. He he's talking about Moses, and he brings Moses up, and, and, and he's kind of recognizing you know, their ancestors. And he says, look, Moses even gave you manna, and people ate. And they still died. Now, downplaying ancestors was unheard of 
It is not something that always happened. And for Jesus to say, look, you're no, you're no different than the Israelites that were complaining to Moses, and Moses gave them manna, and guess what? They still died, and you still want more, and you're here with me today, and you're asking for more bread. Guess what? I could give you more bread, but you're still going to die. Because this earthly bread that you want will never, ever be able to sustain you. And that's kind of like us, isn't it? There's things in our life that we long for. There's things in our life that we crave, even though we have them. You might have a great job, and you just want a better one. You have money in your bank account, but man, you could always use more. You have a nice car, but you could always have a newer one. Man, you got a great spouse, but that one over there is not looking too bad. Think about it. We are richly blessed. And yet there are still times in our lives that we want more. And you say, man, but Mike, I just, my life is so full. My life is so beautiful. My life is so amazing. And it is. But if it's full and beautiful and amazing because of earthly things, then you will always want more things. Man. And what Jesus is saying is, no matter what you have right now, you will always always want more because every single thing that meets your earthly need at some point will go away but this bread this bread that jesus offers this bread of life it will never ever go away so the first group of people Jesus was speaking to were those that were under some outside control the second group of people that Jesus was speaking to were the ones that maybe they had a lot of earthly wealth, but they wanted more. And the third group of people that Jesus was speaking to were the people who were holding on to rituals and rules. And I guess in modern day, what we would say is, Jesus was speaking to people who just wanted to control him. I mean, isn't that us? We love having Jesus on our side, but we want to be the ones that call the shots about when Jesus is on our side. When he can intervene and be part of our marriage or our relationship with our kids or our relationship with our boss or our jobs. We want to be the one that controls Jesus. We want to be the one that moves him around like a palm piece around a chessboard. But Jesus speaks very clearly. He says, I am no one's pawn and no one has control over me. In fact, Jesus even gets into later in that chapter, John chapter 6, as he's describing himself as the bread. He's saying, look, not only is, am I the bread, but I'm also the thing that you can drink. He says, you will eat of my flesh and you will drink of my blood. I mean, this was a brand new theory, unheard of in those times. I mean, a sacrifice was something you made, not something you ate. Can't you imagine the disciples sitting around when he's talking about this? When Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to be part of me and I'm going to be part of you, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Can you imagine the disciples looking around like, did we vote on this? Like, did I miss a meeting? I don't remember seeing this in any of my instruction manuals of being a disciple. But what Jesus was saying was simply this. If you want 
my bread. If you want this life that I can give you, you've got to want it more than life itself. I have to be the thing that you hunger for. I have to be the thing that you thirst for. Just like you crave bread, just like you crave drink, just like you crave air. I want that kind of intimacy with you. And it's not about you controlling me. It's about you being a part of me and me a part of you. So right now, Easter Sunday, no matter what controls you, no matter how much you have, no matter how much control you feel like you need, Jesus is ready to meet you right where you're at. He's ready to set you free from the thing that controls you. He's ready to give himself to you so you no longer have to keep trying to fill your life with earthly things that will always fade away. And he's telling you, you don't have to try to control everything anymore. That he is in control. He is the bread of life. Let him in. See, we, um, we often worry that God has a plan and somehow we are missing it. I want you guys to understand, Jesus didn't die to give you a plan. Jesus died to give you a life. He said, I am the bread of life. He wants that life for you. He wants that freedom for you. So if not now, when? When are you going to stop letting that addiction control your life? When are you going to stop wishing for more earthly things in your life? And when are you going to give up control? Jesus is the bread of life. He is the resurrection. He is the way. He is the gate. He is the vine. He is all of these things. And my prayer is that he's all of these things to you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're headed right now, Jesus is ready to meet you right where you're at and give you that life that you desire. Let's pray. God, right now I pray for every single person watching or listening. I pray for marriages to be healed. I pray for families to be healed, for bodies to be healed. Lord, for anyone that is just under the control of an addiction, under the control of, of something or someone, God, I pray you give them freedom. God, I pray that they receive your bread and they can feel that freedom for the first time. Lord, for those that really believe they have it all, that maybe they live in the land of plenty, but yet at the end of the day, they still want more. Lord, I pray right now you reveal yourself to them as the more. God, for those who just 
clinging to control, maybe even trying to control you. I pray this morning they open their hands. They taste of your body. They drink of you, Lord. And they receive the bread of life. Lord, thank you so much for not just coming to this earth, but for giving your life on the cross and rising again so that in your life we may live too. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.